0: When we mention the word Ethereum, who do you think of first? Most would default to Vitalik Buterin. While he is the most active member from the original squad of creators, many people don't know that he was not acting alone. Gavin Wood, Charles Hoskinson, and Anthony DiOrio were among the group of co-founders for what's now the second biggest cryptocurrency by market cap. We had the opportunity to visit with Anthony at Puerto Rico Blockchain Week, and were amazed at his passion and depth of knowledge. We think you'll be amazed too on this "Vitalik Ain't the Only Game in Town" episode number six hundred and fifty-eight of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five,
1: four, 3, two, one. Two. Who's bad?
0: Hey, how you doing? Joel Bag of Donuts here. It's the Bag Crypto Podcast. Bada bing, bada boom. What's up, Travis?
1: <laughs> Joel Bag of Donuts over there. That's nice, Joey. How you doing? Does that hey, make you
0: Travis a- Bag of Donuts? I,
1: I got You know, <laughs> Tra- Tra- Travis Bag of Donuts over here. You're Joelie. Travis, welcome to the Bag Crypto Podcast. It's so bad, it's worse
0: and when, when we're bringing a bag of ethereum today talking with the, one of the founders there of the uh, the, uh, the the original the way the you know say way back way back ethereum goes all the way back to what that 2015 yeah
1: 2015 2014 something like that way back in the day yeah all
0: right now we're moving to the upper west side and going to upscale our uh new york accent a little bit yeah so it was this great is meet. a joseph container of donuts <laughs> we didn't know that uh anthony diorio was going to be at coin agenda where you and i had the privilege of speaking that's michael turpin's uh event as port- part of puerto rico blockchain week and uh what a you know a surprise and a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk to him
1: it was i mean this was a real treat and you know, in this interview right here, he talks about the future, uh, the past, the present, what he's working on, um, the, the the focus on nodes. He's doing some really really cool stuff. And here's a guy who saw Bitcoin really early, and actually was the first money in Ethereum. So, I mean, dude, he might have he might have been the most successful person we've ever sat down with face to face. Well, Very Vitalik, nice. we sat with Vitalik, but I mean. Yeah. If this guy was the one who put the first money in, he probably got a little bit more than it's, Vitalik did, unless they split it all up equally. I don't I don't know no, how they divided it
0: all. We sat with Vitalik, but it wasn't really face-to-face because he doesn't like looking at people right in the eye. He's kind of, you know.
1: But <laughs> as we mentioned this, when we did make him chuckle a couple of times and almost smirk. It was like almost a half good. a smirk, like a side of his lip kind of went up. A bit. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that counts. That counts as a chuckle.
0: I'll have half a smirk with a side of chorto, please. Uh So also, Sir Lord Travis is going to be creating an NFT for this. We'll tell you all about it after our conversation with Anthony D'Orio. And we are at Coin Agenda, Michael Turpin's event, and privileged to meet one of the co-founders of Ethereum, Anthony D'Orio. Good, sir. Welcome to Bad Crypto.
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. I, so we interviewed Vitalik, what, it was ETH Denver, Denver 2020? 2020. Yeah, and uh, he's, he's a cool kid, and, you know, met his dad, and uh, had him on the show, and uh, we, got, we made him laugh. We did, twice.
1: Demetri or Vitalik? Too. It was Vitalik.
2: We made Vitalik laugh. Yeah. Is yeah. That's impressive, huh? Yeah, he's hard to get uh, chuckles out of. Yeah. It was vid- yeah. vid- a, vid- a couple serious. chuckles and
1: a smirk, a slight smirk. Oh. It was like a
0: yeah maybe a maybe just shy of a chortle <laughs> a chortle <laughs> almost but you on the other hand uh you know you're a jovial guy and uh um, your name uh is not the first one that comes up when we talk about ethereum he's kind of become the poster child
2: and he definitely is and and has been and deservedly so i think
0: Okay, so, so tell us, what did what did you bring to the equation that he couldn't bring? You know, how this dynamic duo pair So
2: I, I met Vitalik in 2012. I just heard about Bitcoin in the summer of 2012. And uh, after months of, of not sleeping, because of how much I grasped the concept, the idea, uh, coming off of years of studying economics, coming off of trying to figure out what had happened with the housing crisis and the financial crisis in 2008, 2009, uh, being into computers since I was since the early '80s, I was building computers when I was like seven, eight years old. Nerd, uh, nerd, exactly. Uh, following uh, decentralized tech movement from the early 2000s with the Napsters and, and other decentralized file sharing and, and uh, things like that, uh, it all kind of culminated in 2012 with me being an entrepreneur for 10 years, tech background, business background, economics studying to try to understand what had happened recently uh, over the last few years it was kind of a perfect storm for me to hear about Bitcoin and dive in headfirst and uh, I looked for a community in Toronto when there just wasn't anything there and I said well I'd learned in the past if you want to if there's nothing there and you're excited about it start the community so I started the Toronto Bitcoin Meetup Group in 2012, and he was one of like eight people that came to my first meetup, and that's how I first met him. And how old was he then? He was uh, 18, 17, 18, I think. So fortuitous. Yeah, and and, uh, Peter Todd showed up as well. He was there, and Dino Mark, and uh, a few other people that that then became my first connections in the space, and over the next year, uh, uh, Vitalik had dropped out of university. He was traveling around the world, and I would meet him in different conferences, and I was representing kind of Canada, because I would started a non-profit in Canada called the Bitcoin Alliance of Canada after doing the Toronto thing.
1: I've not even heard 1A. Yeah, um, wouldn't it be the Bitcoin Alliance
2: to, A? Well, I try to remove filler words from the conversations. They don't <laughs> add much value that's to that. That's what I it's a boot, do that. Travis. That is what it's a boot. You're pulling, <laughs> right? Mate. Yeah, so I, 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 uh, over the next year, he was writing a lot for Bitcoin Magazine. He was doing stories on what I was doing in Canada, trying to uh, bring people together there and kind of uh, work with media and work with government to showcase how this is a possibility and opportunity for Canadians to to take hold of something that I think would be really was going to be really big and bigger than the internet. And uh, we built a good relationship over that next year. Uh, I was building wallets at the time. This was early 2013. I started a company called CryptoKit, and which eventually became Jax, which is uh, what I run right now as a non-custodial wallet. And uh, through that year of getting to know him, understanding as he, was, he was getting to be a better writer, writing for Bitcoin Magazine and really evolving and uh, going project to project throughout the world and understanding where the limitations were. And that's where he kind of put it all together and came up with this white paper that he showed me. And end of uh, October, I think it was, end of October, end of November 2013, He was the first; per- I was the first person he showed the white paper to. I then proceeded to kind of validate what he was doing by showing it to Charles Hoskinson, who I'd gone to know because he was doing some work for the Bitcoin Foundation on the educational side and me doing what I was doing in Canada, him doing that, we had connected. Uh, showed him the paper, connected him with Vitalik, and three of us along with Mihai Alize, who was uh, Vitalik's partner at Bitcoin Magazine, and, um, and, Mihai, uh, sorry, and Amir Chetritz, another gentleman who had uh, worked on colored coins and was one of the initial people there. The five of us became the initial Team, and because I was in Toronto and setting up a physical location called Bitcoin Decentral, which was um, a place where I could start hosting my meetups in a place that I ran instead of doing it at restaurants and bars and things like that. So, uh, my place, Bitcoin Decentral, became the first offices of of Ethereum. And the exit that I had in Bitcoin in early 2013 became the funding mechanism which I brought to the table, which was. Leading up to the crowd sale, many months later, I provided the funding to keep it internal, not have to go out to VCs. Um, oh, make sure nice that we were doing things. Borrowed money from my dad to keep to keep it going when the prices kind of tanked in Bitcoin. Uh, Joe Lubin came in after that and actually contributed more funding leading up before the crowd sale. Um, what
1: well, the crowd sale was like a nickel, right, or something? Or something uh, it was about twenty-seven cents, I think, is what it was initially. Cents. It
2: was it was one uh, two thousand ether for one Bitcoin was the 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 thing and. And the thing that, that I brought and Charles brought and Joe brought and Amir brought four of the initial eight founders because we expanded from five to eight, adding Joseph Lubin, adding Gavin Wood and adding uh, Jeffrey Wilkie, um, was the, uh, you know, we weren't the developers. We were the more of the how do we do this right to make sure that it's done in a way that we can raise this capital from as many people around the world as possible that want to participate but not have to be concerned about it being a security offering in the in the U.S. And that's what we spent a lot of time figuring out and getting off the ground so that it could be handed over to the developers to take it from there. And that's kind of where you saw the the exodus of of those people that did the initial setup, making sure things were done properly. And then Joe went and did consensus. Char- Charles Amir uh, were out, and they, they ended up doing their things. I went and continued to build wallets for the space, which is what I wanted to do, including Ethereum wallets and Bitcoin wallets and all that. But that was my contribution was a lot of the structure, the initial funding, uh, the planning to make sure that what we did wouldn't have any consequences down the road because if it, we had gone the full on developer way they wanted to do things we would have done the crowd sale right at the beginning and we probably wouldn't be uh, um, it wouldn't be a, a situation where ethereum would be where it is right now you maybe would have ended up more of a ripple situation or something else so we had to do things properly and we offered a lot of the guidance to make sure that it got done right initially
1: mm. so what would you how would you recommend now to someone who is coming in the space and they're saying wow you know, we got these security offerings. How do you stay out of those? some of those, right? Because it was a totally different beast back in 2014, 13, 15, right, when you guys were launching – you guys were launching Ethereum, and now a lot of people are trying to do stuff. And they go, "Well, how is it not a security?" Some cryptos are saying, or the, you know, the uh, the agencies, SEC. Every crypto is a security, except maybe Bitcoin, right? Maybe even more so now since Ethereum is a proof of stake more than than before. So, what maybe what advice would you give people who are like who are thinking about launching a coin? Because you guys did this in a very solid way to make sure that you guys protected yourself and protected the assets of what you guys were
2: building. I think it's about coming up with a project and what you want to accomplish first and then if it's coin figures out on how the token economics could actually be something that's going to be really bringing that utility to the plate and it makes sense and it actually is done in a structure that you know, isn't looked as something as any type of investment. Right? And I can tell you what I'm doing right now, which is I'm doing a similar model to what we did with Ethereum, but I'm actually selling hardware now and I'm selling product. Ethereum was a product. We, at the end of the day, the structure that we put together was it was a necessity to fuel a smart contract platform. It was a, it was needed. Um, it was never uh, envisioned as an investment. It was a product that we sold in a pre-sale purchase to those that wanted to participate. And a year later, the technology came forward. So you got to make sure that the tech comes forward and make sure that it's ready to go and make sure that it's not something that's an, as an aside to what it is you're doing. And I think that's why we kind of put it all together properly in a way that um, if you were to do it the same way, I'm not sure it would still be the uh, acceptable because we were, in fact, taking Bitcoin, saying we're going to give you Ether here. But the Ether was something that is, is um, required on the platform, which we did build and put out to the world and I think that's why it's 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 not been looked at in in that fashion. And we had to make sure that what you're phrasing is is this is a product. This is not an investment. We're not selling you anything that has a return on it. So if you can match together a number of different things that you're selling product, uh, you're selling something physical. You don't even talk about the price of this or mm. focus on getting on exchanges. Things and There there's a lot of things you can do to to, to negate um, the 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 things that may look like it's it's something that's more of an investment for people. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to utility and it comes down to the structures and it comes down to uh, what you're, you're promising and what you're doing, even the terminology you're using for things like that, that I think is, is a safer way to do things.
0: Did you ever imagine that, you know, you knew you're creating a platform for smart contracts, but did you ever envision this whole non-fungible token niche that would rise out of this? Hey, there's going to be... Forget just the basics of, hey, we're going to put art on the blockchain. Bored apes, crypto punks, this whole cycle that just happened that was insane.
2: The things, like I mean, there's a number of things that emerge because of Ethereum, including NFTs and including DAOs. Um, DAOs specifically, which is to me going to be one of the, and continue to be a really hot item moving forward. There was a big battle to not turn ourselves into a DAO back in 2014. There were members of the team that wanted us to be a DAO right off the bat. And we always equated it to people that didn't want to do that, was imagine Satoshi doing smart contracts with Bitcoin It's just not ready for that. Let's focus on one thing. So yes, we did think about NFTs. We did think about DAOs. We did think about all these things. Now, not necessarily where they were going to go to this extreme, but we talked about that stuff. We talked about how if we could decentralize our whole organization in a fashion that doesn't have jurisdiction, doesn't have this and that, that we could maybe do something. But that would have been a disaster, I think. These things, a lot of them are not prime time ready to do, and you got to go sequentially. So I think these things will provide, like a lot of them are not providing much value, I think, right now. And there's a lot of learning lessons that need to be figured out over the next few years um, with everything from, from NFTs to DeFi to all these things. Um, but yeah, this I is all stuff, see we, talked about. You is and stuff Joe we talked
0: about. And Gavin and you know, and Charles and Vitalik and you're all hanging out and going, So imagine what people can do with this. One day they're gonna make these cats and people are gonna be able to breed these cats. Cats are gonna have sex and they're gonna make more cats as NFTs. Like that that's not
2: Well, our mind wasn't on that type of thing. Our mind no, was you're, on how you're can we stick to what we had to have that sophistication and I think that was really the contributions that um maybe a lot in the Ethereum ecosystem, which turned very developer focused, which I think is a really positive thing and I think that's the direction it needed to go. But it did need a lot of the, the preparation and the the knowledge and understanding of the way things worked and worked then and need to work in order to get to the end game of what you want. So our focus was really on how do we do this in a way that we're gonna stay out of jail, how do we do it in a way that's gonna get it out there? How do we create as many stakeholders as possible in what we're doing, that we're not limited to well we can't do it in the US because we're doing this kind of thing. So we put that formula together, and I think it worked really well.
1: It, it, it's fascinating when you think about. It. You said, you know, one Bitcoin would get you two thousand Ether, and that was your product at the point, right? That was because these tokens are going to be built and used in our ecosystem. You're have them
2: in your wallet when we set up. Your wallet will be filled with what you bought. And yep. then these are going to be useful for when you want to be able to execute on the platform to use the services and the, and use the resources that people are putting in so that you can execute your contracts and your code.
1: It's worded so perfectly. I mean, that's such a smart thing. So when you're talking about smart contracts, like... What? How, how do you define that? Because we're kind of looking at things like, you know, with, with crypto and smart contracts, that's programmable money. It's programmable. You can do all kinds of if this, then that. Like, there's so much with smart Endless contracts. Endless
2: possibilities beyond finance is what I kind of saw it with that, is that mm. Bitcoin was the be-all and end-all at the time. That's what I got into it for. And then the realization that this can spread beyond finance because a lot of the financial stuff that even was trying to be done on Bitcoin couldn't be done. And that's where it needed something like an executable smart contract layer in order to go on there, in order to, to carry that stuff out. But then you start thinking legal contracts. You start thinking... The sports betting, you start all these other elements like, wow, this is not just finance. This is going to be impactful for any type of removal of third-party non-value-added participation in the, in the equation that can just be put into code. And that's why it's impactful in so many different sectors.
0: So there's definitely concern in some circles about Ethereum going to proof-of-stake that there are certain corporate interests or government interests that could somehow have 51 percent and thus be able to take over the chain and censor the chain and i mean we're kind of we're seeing some uh things happening that are definitely anti-privacy for example metamask announcing that they're going to be tracking ips and yeah, infura yeah because right.
2: they use uh, metamask using for infura yeah right
0: so um you know what are your thoughts is it possible that Ethereum could fall to forces that would seek to control the stake.
2: I think that uh, the promise to go to proof of stake was from day one. That was always the promise. Uh, the difficulty bomb that was put in place in order to to ensure that miners knew that eventually that would happen was there from day one. Even though it's been passed along and it had not actually, um, it's been pushed pushed along year after year to not go off. And the difficulty bomb, for those that don't know, was that there was a um, there was a because the the goal was always to go to proof of stake when it was ready. Uh, there was a, a bomb put into the code that would explode and make it so difficult to mine using traditional uh, ASIC. am uh, sorry, using traditional um, GPUs that it would be like prepare for the next thing. Don't think that you're going to be able to do this forever. And that was from day one. So then, when it's ready, which was many, many, many years later, they made the decision that it's ready to go to proof of stake. But now, could it be argued there's more centralization that's happening now because many of the exchanges and entities like Lido have so much control? It's actually is, uh, I don't think a, a, there are challenges and there are risks and I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but I do think there's more centralization that has been, that has happened due to it. Um, but there's trade-offs with everything, and I'm not a by any means a divisive uh, one black and white person. There's some things in the middle, and there's trade-offs. Maybe that were figured out that 60% uh, would be good to do this, and 40% not that good, and and, and that's just how things work. And one of the biggest learning my lessons in my life was that things are gray. So it's not it's bad proof of stake and proof of work is good. There's going to be trade-offs of everything that is done, and it's about trying to pick something that's going to going to work, and maybe the, the, it won't work, and mm-hmm. we're going to see. It's an ex- everything's experimental. Everything.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating to us. We've had people talking about this coming in and going, well, you know that whatever the number is, 41% of the Ethereum staked nodes are in the United States, so now the United States thinks that they have jurisdiction over it because they have the largest percentage of the nodes are in the U.S., so then the SEC wants maybe wants to come in and be like, "Hey, we." That was one thing that kind of freaked me out. Once I thought, I go, "Wait a second, whoa, whoa, whoa! If that's the case, then that could create some that could create some challenges." So, it, you know, by having X amount of those nodes in a certain country, is there some mechanism in there to kind of control against that, so that way? No, comp- no country is the the biggest holder of, of the of the power there.
2: Yeah, I think the, I mean, uh, the decentralization of nodes is something that's my main focus. That's what uh, my project that I'm that I've announced mm. and is going through the whitelist right now, and is about how do we decentralize node infrastructure because there's a big centralization that is happening into entities like we mentioned in Fira, that is run on things like AWS, and that is uh, antithetical to to what the system should be Mm -hmm. um uh, alchemy infura these 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 cloud service providers that are are um, corralling developers into their systems is now putting infrastructure onto these centralized systems and i think everybody needs to be their own node that's Mm -hmm. my my thinking i think that there's been a reduction of nodes and it needs to be increased and it comes down to building hardware that you can run your own node which is what i'm building right now and what my project is 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 how do we decentralize node infrastructure because it's not meant to be in the hands of Web2 models, which are cloud service providers that have so much control right now. So if uh, the amount of nodes were increased and very simplified so that anybody can be their own node, you're going to see that decentralization happening globally and not being restricted to um, like it is in the U.S. right now and other places. So that is a big problem I see in this space is that there's a centralization of infrastructure happening and uh, how do we ensure that all these technologies are more decentralized and... It's incentivized to run your own node rather than just build on someone else's nodes right now, which is happening right now.
1: Mm. And so you need to have 32 Ethereum right now to to stake to create your own node. Is that ever going to maybe over time change to 16 or 8? or? I'm not sure
2: what they're planning to do. I can't speak to that in in terms of changing that. um, It is a lot. It's a big amount. So um, you're
0: not currently involved, then? You're, no, you're building no, no. like like um, the others. You've kind of moved on. Yeah,
2: Vitalik is the only one really that is involved with with the the organization. I mean, Joe builds strictly for Ethereum. I think they've now got into Polygon, maybe within Fura, but but Joe's always been full on Ethereum. But more on the, he's on the the business side of things with with not involved in, in the foundation. Vitalik's the only one of the, of the team that is still involved there, but I still build Ethereum infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I build Ethereum wallets as I do with Bitcoin and Litecoin and Dogecoin and Polygon and Avalanche and all the, Cardano and all these other ones. I've taken more of a industry perspective on this and try to support the infrastructure needs of all of them to make it simpler for their communities to thrive and have what they need to build you don't strike me as a guy who would talk shit about others so no i don't uh, i don't like to talk badly about any other projects yeah, i think it, with ethereum we always had that that ethos which was let everybody else do what they want to do and we're mm-hmm. going to focus on putting out good stuff so, and focus so, on ourselves
0: so let's let's uh, look at positives then because you've got uh, two founding members charles and gavin that have gone on to build uh, cardano and polkadot respectively what do you like about each of those
2: um I, when I pick to see what we're going to work with, I look to see how the communities are. I look to see who's behind it. Um, some of them I don't know. A lot of the people, like we build Tron infrastructure, we build Avalanche Polygon, we build Crypto.com, uh, even Binance Smart Chain. We built infrastructure for all of them. I don't necessarily know the, know the guys very well. I know CZ, but uh, what I specifically like about Cardano and Polygon and 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 uh, and, and uh, Polkadot is I know Charles and I know Gavin. Um, there's things that I may like about them and the projects but it doesn't necessarily mean I like everything about, about those things but what I do know is they have a big following, they're really smart people very hard working people um, and uh, my knowledge of them and what they've been able to put together doesn't mean I think it's going to work it means that these are all experiments that the, winner, the, the best ones that, that are providing the most amount of utility and value and solving problems will do the best so I don't say that, that they will win or that they're going to be the best, but they have an alternative way of looking at things. And maybe that's going to provide some value to the ecosystem as a whole. And it's all these little pieces that come together from all these different projects that are going to hopefully create a formula that's going to create something that's going to be a higher echelon that's going to provide more value to people. So I let's, let's support everything that, we, that I think has an opportunity to create value they may fail i don 't think that looks bad on me if i 'm supporting something that eventually fails i 'm not saying that 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 you should use them i 'm not saying i 'm saying there 's a big enough community that we 're going to provide infrastructure that will help them to hopefully achieve their goals so I, I try not to take a divisive view on anything like that and try to help an entire ecosystem and, and be collaborative as much as possible because I think the more you can collaborate the more friends you 're going to have and the less you 're fighting so i 'll support and and navigate being supportive of Bitcoin and being supportive of Ethereum and being supportive of Cardano and being supportive of Polkadot and being supportive of these other ones and delicately do that in a way that I think is going to showcase that we're here to help everybody succeed. We're here to create allies with as many people as possible. And you'll never get to 100% of the people that you're actually, you know, you're to, you might get that, those Bitcoin maximalists potentially that are just not going to, because you're doing this, we're not, well, I'm going to do my best to still feel that I can provide value to you. But at the end of the day, if I can get 95% of the people thinking what we're doing is helping to move things along, I think that's a pretty good win.
0: It's a big crypto tent.
2: It is. It is,
1: certainly is. So, I don't know if you know this or not, but we all three have something in common. We're Joel in college was a DJ. My first job was as a DJ at a radio station with that old school, like eight, like the commercials the were on those with tracks, car- dude, those, oh, those cartridges, yeah. man. I got, I got a photo of me doing that. And so, you were, you were also one as well. So, let, let's go yeah. back to that yeah. era of Anthony. And like, and it, it, what, what what kind of music stuff were you working on back in the day? Well- so
2: this was in the early two thousands, and uh, when I first got into electronic music, was kind of a big shift for me from alternative rock, which was most of my life in the nineties was mm. the alternative rock scene and the Pearl Jam, Nirvana, a lot of Canadian um, alternative rock, and then it was about two thousand, I think, when I first started getting electronic music. Mm. And that was a whole different realm that that I was introduced to that I I enjoyed. And in the early two thousands, um, I was in initially through through tr- um, through jungle drum and bass was my initial mm. first foray, and then it started getting into house and trance and uh, tribal and the, the different uh, kind of um, drum oriented. Music and melodies of trance and stuff like that. So this was early two thousands, and which I um, still love that kind of music. Like yeah, and I was producing down there, and and, oh, on. I I do too. Right down from the the chill out stuff, which I listened to quite a bit of. Yeah, uh, right oh, like chill fi It's, chill pretty, lo- it's yeah. really good stuff. Yeah. Just, I just
0: I don't like when it just it the beat is off by just. Drives me nuts Right just, yes. a, just a 16th Or even less Or a like bad seconds. Something
2: that, that, that just, just, just you hear As, a, as someone that, that you know You're, you're, you're automated And you're beat Matching and beat mixing mm-hmm. And you're counting 32s for everything And, and then this is intentional When someone messes Something that Yes ah, <laughs> When it's ooh. intentional That's, that's uh, I don't mind it When it's an intentional I, I do mind it When something's just off And mm. they don't know That they're actually off mm. That's when it's it, it, It's a little bit weird for me
1: mm. You've been to Ibiza?
2: I have a number of times. Isn't it
1: amazing?
2: I I haven't been for for a number of years. I do enjoy Ibiza. I do enjoy the the European party vibe scene. Um, I love Canada. Toronto was kind of uh, a place called Government uh, in Toronto was like the leading North America club for for a number of years um, and was there quite frequently and uh, doing New Year's parties at these other places. And and some of my favorite DJs are out of Spain, tribal DJs. Mm um it's a yeah. so
1: while for me man to see that when you're looking at when you go into one of these venues like in Ibiza, and there's like so many thousands of people in this fucking place and you're looking around going like oh my god and there's like huge it, it's no longer just music it's music audio visual well, just it's just the I combo was in LA is for unbelievable
2: a a, a, a a trio called above and beyond they're a, a trance act that just did the Bank of California Stadium for their 500th event. And they mm-hmm. had like 50,000 people there. And, and we flew, flew in just to go to that uh, a few weeks ago. And the energy, the positivity, the love that these guys put forward in their music and the audience and the crowds and people with signs like above and beyond changed my life. And mm. just the positivity is something that I've taken from this and that I really you know respect with, with music and creating user experiences. It's all about creating Mind-blowing experiences mm-hmm. for people where they walk and go, and they go, "What did I just experience there?" Right That's what right. I think is, is is experiential. And how do you do those things? Which is great. It's it's, it's Ibiza and it is Ibiza, the king. But it's, it's the king is offended. The king offended. Off with your head.
0: Off something with your head. Like that. So, uh, best Canadian rock band ever. I'm Mother Earth. Which
2: one? I Mother Earth.
0: I Mother Earths. Yeah, yeah. I'm not they're, familiar. Uh,
2: I they grew up with them in the night in the 90s. Uh, been to so many shows. They're f- dear friends of mine now. Okay. And uh just uh, my, me and my brother used to go quite frequently and I just really enjoyed their music. Kind of like Santana. A lot of guitars. Um just uh, yeah, check them out sometime. That's $200. the incorrect
1: answer, according to him. The correct answer is probably Rush. Rush is great well, too. That, I
2: love Rush. That is the correct answer. Is it yeah. the correct answer? Yeah, It yeah. is. Sorry, Anthony. that sounds you're, very you're, binary you missed, to me. You that okay. one. that <laughs> sounds <laughs> very binary, very divisive. I,
0: very accepting. divisive. Uh, I, I was actually opening up Spotify right now to look for I Mother Earth. Yeah, if you say there. that they're yeah. uh, they're worthy of uh, okay, one more. Uh,
2: In fact, they had uh, with one of their shows. They did have Getty Lee came up. Uh, Getty, no, Alex Lyson, I think was was. Uh, Came and did some some songs with them for that. So, and they used to do some some Rush covers and stuff too. But uh, there I they think you'll enjoy I'm My Mother, Mother Earth,
0: Earth. eighty two thousand yeah. monthly. Listen, Earth, and I will listen to them. First computer,
2: IBM PC Junior, ah, eighty
0: three. Wow. Yeah. So I had mine was a TRS eighty model one in nineteen eighty. Ah, that oh, was so before me. I'm really dating myself. But
2: I Well, you must be older than I.
0: I. I am. I can't code my way out of a paper bag though. Never could. I was just a user. I just I do something about it. My mom says, What do you need a computer for? Of course now she understands. Now she has her own, you know, popular website and YouTube channel. And a phone. More, yeah, and a phone and, and right. Though it's amazing to me as I hold this iPhone. This is a ten. Um, and I've there there's no compelling reason to upgrade to new phones, as far as I'm concerned, because Apple's not done anything innovative since well, Steve Jobs. Except God's maybe day. they
2: try to slow it down all the time so that they force you into it. Yeah, right. Yeah, they yeah, make it. Force deprecation.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, but it just blows my mind that this computer that we hold on our hands is more powerful than what the, they used to fill a whole building with these computers with the real spending yeah, cards. Punch cards. was The first
2: thing I started working with at camps <laughs> that I used to go to even before I had a computer It was literally these punch cards and these big mainframes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, COBOL. Yeah. Fortran. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, shoot me now. <laughs> that's wild.
1: I was watching this show on um on Gaia television which is like it's, it's like a streaming but it's like the spiritual stuff and this dude Robert Edward Grant was I'm watching this show on it. It's like a, it's like a one of the special series where they have somebody fly in and they do a couple days with a guy. This dude dissected the Vitruvian man and that's Leonardo's work and it basically tied it to the to the great pyramids and all. There's all this data that's hidden inside the Vitruvian man also mona lisa and then he also basically went in and said yeah and all music is tuned incorrectly basically it should be 432 hertz is the key number which i've talked about for many years but it, validation actually came back why wasn't
0: that. it 420 though i mean would that not have made your day in your no, life no it, it was would, 420, 420
1: is a made-up number anyways but 440 isn't intentionally where the vibration of the music is off and when it's actually vibrated and and, and tuned to 432 hertz the music sounds different. Like it literally, it almost feels like you have goosebumps. Like you can feel the music more. It's tied to Fibonacci and all this other stuff. That, so that was a joke. You, you, I know, understand. a really good. You like four twenty? Four twenty is not bad. Four thirty two hertz is actually. I'm I'm more of a fan of four thirty two than okay, four twenty. Fair enough. That's not even a question. I was just like, you should gotta watch that, dude. As a, I as haven't a guy seen it, and this,
2: I I the whole numerology type of thing. I, I find it hard to you know, and, and if you type if you double eight it's 16 and 16 is the number of this and yeah so, some of that I, stuff's a little wonky but this is called
1: the divine encryption and he goes into all this deep studies it was fascinating it blew my mind i love how how technology it's like it, it, it basically it all kind of goes down to in a lot of ways that it seems like things are so clear when it comes to the math and how far everything is like the moon from the earth and the, uh, the earth from the sun and all this others it's almost like we're in some sort of simulation somehow There's a, you know, God don't, is intelligent. Don't, don't
0: tell him. Uh,
1: don't know. tell him about it. That we're in it. Oh, oh, shit. oh man! <laughs> if, it's this, if it's a really good, if it's a really good simulation, I need to go back to like 2015 and get part of that ICO for Ethereum, dude. 27 in, in, cents. 2014.
0: Bro. 14. Right, missed it. Uh, we didn't get in really till 2017. Although Travis did mine Bitcoin back in 2010. I didn't like slash wow.
1: dot article. I saw that and I mined it. It destroyed my computer and we're like our uh, our mutual friend Marshall would have been like, Oh dude, here's an opportunity. Marshall Long mm-hmm. I'm like, Man, that destroyed my computer. What a piece of shit. <laughs> so somewhere <laughs> I should probably buy
0: some is that Marshall you're talking about Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Marshall Long. Yeah. Somewhere in a hard drive in a Kansas City dump is uh, Travis's
2: fifty bitcoin that- not the famous dump. It's a different one. Different one. That guy has yeah. a 1,000 Bitcoin. Or no, I only
1: had 55. I went to a Nick Zabo. Uh, uh, you know, um, one of the things where you go there and you get five, was it a faucet? I went to a faucet how, and you got how five How did you, Bitcoins. I
2: know I'm going to throw this around, how did you get into and hear about Bitcoin 2010 or even? It was,
1: like, it was the Slashdot article. Basically, yeah, I'd always pay attention to Slashdot and the news and I was in Silicon Valley and stuff and I was like, wait a second, I am... Uh, really, they've never you know, audited the Federal Reserve Bank. Fiat money to me has always been... Once I realized what fiat money was back in 2000, I was like, wait a second. So that actually was a detriment to me because I didn't really invest in the stock market much because I thought the stock market's all a bunch of bullshit because it's all tied to this money that's fiat. That's all BS. And so then seeing Bitcoin made sense, but it made sense enough for me to mine some and go to some and research it. But then when it crashed my computer... I was broke enough at the time to not be like, damn, I got to get another computer. And I didn't even. And then the price of Bitcoin wasn't, you know, so it was just like it almost hooked me.
2: When did you (laughs) when when did it hook you?
1: Uh, It hooked. Well, I did it again. I got back in in 2015. I bought some Bitcoin. And then uh, I ended up not making any money on that because I had to sell it because our agency wasn't doing so great at the time. And then really, we started talking in 2016 to early 2017. 16. Because
0: I had heard about it years earlier being in technology. But I didn't understand this concept of mining Bitcoin that did not connect with me. And usually I'm right there at the beginning If this new technology, I want to know about it. And all I could envision was little men with pickaxes inside computers going because ding, 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 I didn't understand it. Then he starts chatting me up and uh, talking about, you know, crypto and what do I think of this. And so I go down the rabbit hole and by early 2017, I'm in. And then we started this podcast shortly thereafter. And, um, the rest is unfortunate history here we are
2: good for you to keeping it up yeah that's what yeah. she five said
1: five and a half five and a half, year, and a half years <laughs> and we both live here in Puerto Rico now yeah. so it's uh, it's been it's been quite a journey you know and, and I, you know we've had some of the most amazing people on that we just one of our previous guests just recently was G Edward Griffin the guy who wrote the creature of Jekyll Island just amazing just you know thought leaders early on in the space who saw it we interviewed Ron Paul but now we're interviewing you a bunch of other awesome people and uh, it's, just been, it's just been a blessing to, to tap in and connect with amazing people who are doing great stuff, have great vision, and trying to make the world a better place because, you know, I, I'm, from, I'm of the belief of – we got to get some of this stuff right because if not, we are so tied into centralization that if – centralization could turn into authoritarianism so easily if it's, if the wrong knobs
2: are turned, it seems. Yeah, to me, leadership and problem-solving is two of the, the sorely lacking things that the world really needs to solve some of the, the greater problems, and that's, mm. that's two of the things that are um, – uh, you know, as you look into see what is missing in the tools that are needed in order to create the change needed, that I think is what it is. It's kind of virtuous leadership and the ability to problem solving solve out of the the way things are are usually done into new ways of doing things, mm-hmm. and that's the the role that um, I think is is crucial to build the next generation of those two things: leaders and problem that. solvers. Let's virtuous let's, leadership,
1: yeah, like so huge.
0: Let's let's wrap with your final thoughts around this, then, because there is the fear of uh, CBDCs taking over and us becoming like China with a social credit score and you can't buy or sell if they don't approve of, you know, what you're buy, what you're getting and we're we're, what you're saying, especially. Or uh, if you don't use your money enough. They literally right. can program and oh, say, wait a second, you haven't it. used your
1: money quick enough, it's gone now. Take it
0: away, there it goes. But I had you keep no... people you
1: permanently in the middle, middle right. class.
0: So how fearful are you of that, and what would you say um, we can do besides obviously having good leaders um, to make sure this doesn't go down that road?
2: Um, I, I try not to be fearful of things. I don't think it's a good approach to be taking from from the fear basis. I mm-hmm. think I, I am an optimist and I think there's a a duty for the people that are in our space here that are really, I think, some of the most intelligent people in the world mm-hmm. and doing the things that are, that are being done in our movements here, movements of freedom, movements of liberty, movements of personal responsibility, mm-hmm. movements of... Uh, of allowing others to do what they want but don't impact me in the things that I want to do in the way that I'm doing things so I take it for more of an approach of what I can do and I think it's it's I've learned over the years is that what I'm good at is problem solving and I'm good at hopefully being a leader that can actually bring people together and create movements of alignment and take us out of old business models to new models that serve more people and are not uh, feeling that people are not being included in the solutions um, along the way the last 10 years I, I've, I've learned uh, that you know, models of, of advertising don't work, and I don't want to do those types of things. Models of collecting user information is something that my products never do. We don't want to know who you are. We don't want to know what you're doing. We don't want to keep logs of your stuff, which is what mm-hmm. we don't do with any of our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. We, we keep no logs of anything of what our users are doing. Uh, um, and it's about how do we, how do we then expose um, forward-thinking models that aren't extractive, which is what most models are, whether they be extracting people's information or extracting people's eyeballs, to be looking at something and doing things and, and at, at the expense or you realize afterwards that wait a second that's not a good model even though you thought it was free uh, they're then taking my data taking my information mm-hmm. and or selling me stuff which is the constant you're model. the sell, sell 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 you become the product so how do we showcase new models of doing things that showcase even incumbents that you can be part of this mix and be involved and here's a better way for you to get what you want because the way that you're doing things are actually going to lead to your demise um, empires fail usually because they haven't been able to problem solve their way from the beginning of better ways to do things that are going to serve more people. We're seeing that right now with a lot of tech giants and the way that their models are leading to their, their demise. We've seen it with um, civilizational uh, en- empires that that uh, over time uh, become lazy and do things where they're reliant on too many other people. And then new, you new will people eat come the in.
0: bugs, Jorka. And you will like it. I will, I will not like it. Mr. Schwab. But you will eat
2: the bugs. <laughs> Mr. Schwab, you nasty Mr. <laughs> Schwab. What do you think of what Elon's doing with Twitter? I say, give him some time to try to figure things out and leave him alone right now. Yeah, that's that's what I say. I just I, I, it, they're just uh, attacking. It's there's from all different areas, and right. um, I think he does things that that also lead to him being deficient in ways that people will attack based on him being a douche sometimes with things mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with other people. And I think the more that that you're not being a jerk and doing things and just focusing on your mission and not saying things to spark this this type of uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, attack mode of people I think comes about because you've maybe done things that have led to that. Right. I say, right. hey, man,
1: dude, get some sleep, bro. You got <laughs> 17 <laughs> companies you're CEO of right now, bro. Get some
0: Z's. anything but boring, uh, dude. Where would you like people to go to see what you're working on now?
2: Um. Uh, so the the project that I'm doing right now is called Anjami. It's A N D I A M I Anjami. Anjami Anjami is it's, Italiano. Uh, it's it's my word. Well, there's no word I created. It's Anjiamo means let's go, hurry. Anjami to me means let's all go together. Huh. So It's like
1: origami of let's go. Build yeah, it's, some origami. It's,
2: um, it's, it's 10 years of building, and finally the project I'm putting out is, is how do we empower people with the tools they need to be in control of their lives, or their money, communication, identity, which is the three pillars mm. I've always built around. How do we ensure that the technologies that I think have some promise, which are these decentralized techs that have emerged, whether they be... As we mentioned, Polkadot or Cardano or Ethereum or Bitcoin, how do, how do they have the tools to, to allow their their communities to flourish and grow? So Anjami is a collaborative project that's here to increase the amount of nodes and make it very um, easy for everybody to be, to be their own node. So we're creating blockchain computers that become preloaded with every transaction for any chain that you possibly want. Plug and play like consoles, like, like your PS5 or your Xbox. My like Steam Deck? Yeah, every, everything to, to create a, a, a personal server for you to send your own transactions, mm. to have all the historical data you need. And then... Literally ability, making people a bank. Uh, which, which is why I got into the well, space initially, it. was how do you be your own bank? And the, yeah. the idea of being able to be my own bank was kind of got me into the space. But I think you can't have a user-controlled internet unless the user themselves is their own server. Mm. And if you're reliant on any third party to send your transactions, you then become beholden to, to certain restrictions or you're, you're in their monetary gain process potentially. So our goal is to have a system where you can run your own node for whatever chain you want and then you're incentivized to run a node as well with a token we're putting out that's going to allow you to share your resources with other people. Mm. So right now, node So infra- like Chia
1: in Bob-Bish. yeah, Yeah,
2: it's, it's right now node infrastructure is in the hands of centralized entities that are providing services so that you can build but at the end of the day you're beholden to what they're doing. So our idea is we need a much more decentralized node infrastructure, and then you have resources that you can share for you if you want to send a transaction and you don't have the resources, you can pay him to send it for you, hmm. and you're bypassing. You become my Western Union Sweet. without the fee, and without that name either. But yeah, yeah. you're you're <laughs> empowering individuals to be fully sovereign, right. their money, communications, and identity. Run and send their own transactions, mm. contribute to the networks, and then share uh, resources you may have to allow others to to be able to send uh, systems as well. So. Mm. Uh, it's a node-sharing protocol that we've developed. and um, Any w- potential
1: vulnerabilities around it being connected to Wi-Fi? Or is it no. are you able to turn that off? No, I mean,
2: it- it's like running your own nodes right now. Okay. It's using a BitTorrent S model for, for doing the, the node-sharing system, but okay. it's going to be incentivized with the token to for those that have the resources and those that mm-hmm. need resources because you need to be able to send transactions and now you're mm-hmm. reliant on a wallet company that's usually reliant on a third party to mm-hmm. do so and we say you should be able to do it yourself. So are you going to do
1: an ICO or something for those um, tokens? or We're how
2: doing, are you we're do doing a game. are doing a game? It's all coming out as a game. So you're going to be a player in the game and you're buying physical, what we're calling non-fungible fidgetals. I've created a term, NFPs. Okay. Which are bringing physical products together with digital elements and so we have player kits that we're selling to people and the player kits have puzzles that you need to unlock with your brain power to unlock the tokens, then the tokens are used on the protocol, the note sharing protocol. Wow. That's how we're putting it out. Wow.
0: Andiami.org. And Andiami, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna tell my kids that Andiami is Italian for Anthony's a good guy.
2: And let's all go together. And you let's can't all go, go together. all if we if we can't all go together. That's what? just that doesn't the way things work. So and we're here to help all of the great chains to succeed and we're here to join their communities and provide them the infrastructure they need.
1: Wait a second. What's your middle name? Is it N?
2: It's, uh, I'm British Italian, it's Charles.
1: Oh, okay, because I was going to say, because if it was N, it would be Anthony, N, uh, uh, Diorio, what? I, M, I. Let me tell uh.
2: you what it stands for, many things. So, A, N A-N is Anthony, Diorio's D, I. That's the Andy part of it. Okay. So, A, N, D, I. Yeah, look at I, that. Nijami. You were deciphering. Uh, if you put it backwards, it's I, M, A, I, 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 M, A, I, <laughs> D, N, A. Huh. All right, and that was something oh. I didn't think about there. Oh. Um, Ami is friend. Right, mm-hmm. So the, the me part, there's a number of different meanings behind the name that I put together here that, that it makes sense and kind of became that perfect name for the project. But at the end of the day, it's let's all go together.
0: And I am I. And it's no, also well, a proud yes, statement. It's, it's let's,
2: yeah. I am I, but let's all go together, yeah. which is true. Yeah. I'm the individual, and I want to be that individual. Don't group me into, I don't like being put in groups, but I'm the individual, but let's all go together because we all offer some type of value into the equation, and, and we, do, we don't want to be put mm. into into these groups. So, so since
1: we just kind of deciphered that a little bit, so where's our
2: tokens? So the whitelist is open right now. It'll be open for a while. We've got about 55,000 people on the whitelist right now. Really? Um, And you're going to be then sorted in an order and there's going to be rounds and we're selling player kits, literally physical boxes of these beautiful things that you open up and it has puzzle books. I have a full line of printing to make hardcover books and every... every, puzzle book is unique to each person so you have what? your own puzzles and own images ai Dude, generated images we got to have you on again and go through this love to, video man. on yeah. This yeah. Thing. Would, would love to there's uh, we just announced it a, a couple months ago but it's a culmination of 10 years of building infrastructure and building things to create a project that is a perfect formula to help other projects succeed we're not competitive at anybody we're here to help everybody along and that's kind of what's needed in this space i think it reminds beautiful. me of
1: the neil the neil patrick harris has has this game called the one and it's basically a a puzzle thing that you play you you open it up yourself and it's a puzzle just for you and then he has another puzzle because he apparently he loves puzzles um, for you to decipher with some other person and you're so going through So physical
2: them. and digital coming together it's what we're doing in all our products so that. every product is a non-fungible Fidgetal Fidgetal uh, is a physical digital mm-hmm. uh, product you tap it with your phone it proves authenticity so there's NFC chips baked into every product that we have from the books to the kits everything is is a tap to prove authenticity and uh, it all comes together in a global game of physical and digital there's a video game associated with it you have to unlock things in your player kit that ties into the video game and then it's all towards unlocking your tokens using brain power to solve puzzles and learn and educational um tools along the way so there's five pillars it's education leadership Problem solving, scam mitigation, gamification are the, the pillars we built this whole project on. Mm-hmm. And it's all about uh, empowerment and, and how do you let people be in control of their lives. Because right now we're, we're not really in control and usually mm-hmm. it's, it's beholden to someone else. So, Dude. It's beautiful. That is
1: amazing. That's, mm-hmm. That sounds so
2: cool. I can't wait to mess with that. That's yeah. Beautiful. Oh, and you got to see the cubes. I don't know if you can see them. Here. Oh, those so we're looking at the website right here. here. You guys can follow along. So those are the blockchain computers. Those are the cubes. Uh, they come preloaded oh, wow. with, with any chain you want um every transaction that's ever existed and you just plug it in and it continues to bring in new blocks as you're going along and you send your own transactions you become completely uh self-sufficient and and we've been we've been building these for years and they're ready to go and uh so now the game's going to be starting as soon as we close up the whitelist in in a month or two
0: i did not expect this but i'm glad to see that you're working on something so worthwhile Thank uh, this, you. I think this can make a real difference. It's Do spectacular. Go check it out on If you don't know how I'm spelling it, it's and I am I.
2: dot
0: org. dot org. Anthony, thanks for uh, for your time today. Thanks so much,
2: gentlemen. Yeah, we really
0: appreciate it. Travis, we have proof that we worked today for this interview.
1: <laughs> we have wait. Is it is it uh, because we did an NIT?
0: Because, well, because there's a podcast, there's proof. If people are listening to it, that is proof of work right now. But we're moving from proof of work, like Ethereum, to proof of stake. So I'm going to go have a, a steak dinner.
1: I actually had um, a steak euro uh, today, it was really good. And, uh, and I had a Greek salad. And actually,
0: uh, what is it? This is going live tomorrow right? This is or going is live on the 11th of December. Yes.
1: Okay. So on the 11th of December, I am starting a seven day water fast. I've been planning this one for a couple of weeks. And so my goal is to go at least 168 hours on this thing. The longest I've ever done is about a week and a half. I did 12 and a half days back in 2017 or 2018. So I'm going to do a long fast. So these next couple of podcasts, I'm going to be a grumpy asshole. You guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So lucky me, I get to deal with this. So, uh, but you know what? You're, you're definitely, you're shrinking. You are, uh, you're, you're dissipating and uh, Mm. pretty soon you're going to be skinny, Travis.
1: I say, I would say this, thank you for one, but I would say this is that it's all about not what you eat, but when you eat, there's something magical that happens. I mean, so what I've been doing now, and this is what I have done, not what I'm doing. What I have done is I have done now 90, how many, 97 fasts in a row, Joel. I've not missed a day. I went, So basically my last meal of the day and my first meal of the day, bare minimum is at least 13 hours in between those meals. Usually it's 16 to 18 hours. Many times it's in the 20 plus hours. A lot of times about every couple of weeks, I'll do at least a 24 hour fast where I'll eat lunch, skip dinner, skip breakfast and eat lunch the next day, which is a really easy way to do that. But there's a guy on, on YouTube called Dr. Pradip, P-R-A-D-I-P, Jamnadas, And this guy is a, a heart surgeon, and he talks about what happens in your body when you fast past that third day. The histones in your DNA actually open up, and you do a super cleaning. And so I turned 50 in May, and so I figure it's probably time to do a good cleaning to my system, clean out the arteries, do a bunch of stuff to kind of just kind of reboot, clean out the liver a little bit, clean out the kidneys, just give myself a, a nice reboot a bit. And um, yeah, not not financial or health advice in this podcast, but if you're interested in doing intermittent fasting, I would recommend looking into it because it is all about when, not about what, as far as I can tell.
0: Hmm. So there you go. We're going to follow along on Travis's journey. And I'll tell you, we are on a couple concurrent journeys right here. Travis and I have been going deep, deep, deep down this artificial intelligence rabbit hole. And we're both... Playing with some really interesting things, and we're going to be covering this on the show in the near future. We're going to try and get some guests on here to help talk about this. You know, even though it is not directly blockchain, uh, this is a, a convergence of technologies that is definitely going to have blockchain aspects to it, and we're excited about it. And because we're excited about it, we want to talk about it and we want to bring it to you. So that's well, Web Three. Soon.
1: It really is. I mean, when you think about what is Web Three. Web Three is. Crypto. We talked about that early on in 2017 about Web3 and blockchain being the third generation of the Internet. And so it's Web3, it's AI, it's crypto, right? It's uh, VR, AR, and metaverse stuff. All of these kind of things that we like to talk about is all within this new space. So it's really, at this point, maybe evolving into the bad Web3 show because a lot of this stuff is Web3 technologies as we are merging and converging into the future with uh, cryptocurrency and all the things that go around with it.
0: You know, as we are talking, you are playing with an AI tool to create an NFT for this episode. And I'm seeing the images that you're sending me on Signal. uh, And these are Amazing. Um, I think like, let's, I want to do this. I want to save these images, Travis, that show all the different ones. And then we're going to give away the one, the final one that we choose to, uh, to give away, or we can have people vote on it. What would, what would you think of that of us putting well i think
1: can't, can't we drop multiple ones i think we could drop we could, we could do could whatever do. we Ooh, want whoa look at this one this one we really could do awesome. whatever
0: we want so here's the deal if you want all to that. get this ethereum nft that we're going to drop for free you still need to have a bad crypto nifty club membership which is not free it's going to wipe you out because it costs all of about two dollars and fifty cents to get all the free airdrops uh, through this membership. Go to badcrypto.uncut.fm. Every day people are buying this NFT and you're getting airdrops. I think we've done five or six airdrops now that are related to various episodes. They're not available anywhere else. You can't buy these airdrops we're doing and these are some badass NFTs. If you want this Ethereum one, you better make sure that by Wednesday night of this week, that you've got the bad crypto nifty club membership nft in your wallet you go to badcrypto.uncut.fm look for the membership nft it's spinny it's red it's got me and travis on it by wednesday evening the 14th of december if you want this free ethereum nft you need to have this in your wallet these are cool trav these are really cool
1: these are coming really good so here's, here's how i got it set up here it's called cool. so basically one of the it's the invention of Ethereum cryptocurrency. The five co-founders created Ethereum to beat Bitcoin. Uh, that's this is why t- I typed in extraordinarily imaginative volumetric lighting, 32k post-processing, spectacular ambient lights, cinematic atmosphere, insanely detailed and intricate cinematic lighting, ultra photorealistic octane render. Uh, Unreal Engine 5 render, Cry Engine 8K, hyper realism, hyper realistic, and hyper detailed and dreamy version four of Mid Journey. So this thing is coming together looking really awesome. This Amazing. is spectacular. So what we got right now, it's like this box that has money in it. That's just theory, it's like this Ethereum box that is it's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's really badass looking though.
0: It's, it's going to be great. And this, uh, this episode, we're not doing a video version because when we were with Anthony, we didn't record video. So there's no video to go with this audio only. But uh, we are going to do the fan show also here this coming week while Travis is super grumpy. So if you have not yet called the Bad Crypto Hotline to share your thoughts with us, this is the time to do it. 708 708- Eight eight five ninety thirty is the number want to hear it again we'll just hit reverse 10 seconds and, and you can hear again or email us at bad at gmail.com let us know how long you've been listening what you like about the show feedback on particular episodes suggestions questions tell us to stay bad whatever you want we want to include you guys in uh, in an episode here this coming week this is your last chance to get in on it so uh so wow. please please do that and
1: yeah, you see, else, I, well, I'm only really grumpy on like day two, between day two and day three. There comes a point like once you pass the 72 hours that you don't even think about food anymore and you're not even hungry because then your body goes into super cleansing mode because once you get all of the food out of your digestive system and then all the glucose out of your bloodstream, your body starts burning fat primarily as fuel. And once your body gets into that mode, you're not even hungry. So the trick is... Is to drink lots of water that has a little bit of uh, sea salt in it, a little bit of you have put a little bit of potassium, a little bit of uh, magnesium. I so I have this magnesium spray that I'll spray on my body so I won't have any magnesium. What I've learned is if you don't have those electrolytes in your system, is that by day three you're going to get the runs even though you're not eating anything. But right. if you have those electrolytes in your system, you don't have that problem at all.
0: It's the Bad Fasting Podcast with your host uh, Keto Wright. Joey Bagakito. Joey Bagakito. Hey, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks again for being part of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. We appreciate you guys, so stay back. <laughs> alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor hey hey, hey, hey what's with this all this artificial intelligence here yeah what what is what's going on here why, why why you why you gotta be so fake
1: i gotta tell you this you could use some intelligence so at least if you got some artificial intelligence Jolie, you at least have some
0: that's my. It's actually my name. I'm Art Arthur O. Official. Art Official. That's that's what they call me here in Brooklyn.
1: That's not what they call you at all. They call you douchebag of donuts. That's <laughs> what they call you.
0: Over here.
1: I know, cause I'm the
2: one who says it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>